This is the Gender Justice Brief, a podcast of gender justice. We fight for gender equity by breaking down legal, structural, and cultural barriers and expanding protections. We want to see all people thrive, regardless of their gender, gender expression, and sexual orientation. At Gender Justice, we're committed to dismantling the legal, political, and structural barriers to gender equity. That means our work isn't limited to the courts. We also look to the legislature as a vehicle to create social change, address gender injustice, and improve lives. 2023 was a truly remarkable year for gender justice, from passing the Trans Refuge Bill, to ending state funding for crisis pregnancy centers, and repealing Minnesota's unconstitutional and harmful abortion restrictions. We helped advance some of the most equitable policies in the country. So today, on the podcast, we're going to talk about our agenda for 2024. The new legislative session begins on Monday, February 12th, the date this podcast episode goes live, and we have big plans to keep advancing gender equity, abortion access, LGBTQ plus rights, and more. Welcome to Gender Justice, Gender Justice Action in Unrestricted Minnesota, Gender Equity in Minnesota Legislative Agenda Briefing. My name is Megan Peterson. I use she, her pronouns. I'm the Executive Director of Gender Justice and Gender Justice Action. And with me today for this conversation about the 2024 legislative session coming up starting Monday, February 12th, is Monica Meyer. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be with you today. And, And I'm also just so excited for the conversation about how we can keep making change in Minnesota, how we can work together to make Minnesota the most equitable state in the country. Yes. And we are going to share this conversation on our podcast, The Gender Justice Brief, which is available on all podcast streaming platforms. And if you don't listen, you'll check us out over there sometime soon. So if you hear us referencing podcasty related things, that's why. We are happy to take questions and we'll save some time at the end for question and discussion but we're going to run through some information first. All right, so just a little grounding in who we are and why we care about legislative session. Gender Justice is a nonprofit legal and policy advocacy organization, and we're dedicated to advancing gender equity through the law. We are working towards building a world where all people can thrive regardless of their gender, gender expression, and sexual orientation. And for us, that involves dismantling legal, structural, and cultural barriers that contribute to gender-based oppression and ensure people of all genders a right to bodily autonomy, safety, health, and opportunity. So to do that, we use a number of different tactics, strategies and tactics, legal analysis and impact litigation, but very importantly, policy advocacy. So in addition to working to changing laws through courts, we also work to change laws from the jump when they are first written and decided. So we both work to develop laws and policies that lobby on behalf or against ones we like or don't like, or work with legislators to make improvements to existing laws or proposed legislation. We're going to be talking about some of the successes from last year, and then we're going to go into what's really exciting about this year. Um, I think one of the things, just going back to what we do, is, is I really love that gender justice really looks at how we can advance gender justice and use every tool in the toolbox. And and so that's, anyway, that's what's to me has been so exciting about getting to work at Gender Justice. I've been on staff since May of last year. And yeah, it's just been, I've just 
very honored to get to do this work and also honored to get to do this work with all of you. So speaking of all of Minnesotans, at least the ones that support gender justice, bodily autonomy, abortion, reproductive freedom, LGBTQ equity, racial equity, you name it, was an amazing year. I think we all know that we can't get tired of, of hearing that, but like Minnesota really made history in the last legislative session. We came off of the elections, which we, we were definitely had abortion very clearly on the ballots with the candidates that we all were supporting and really were able to just watch them shine and to support their work and to, I think, really work to make sure that we were getting Minnesotans to support just so many different advances. So anything from getting rid of the, the state funding for anti-abortion crisis pregnancy centers, passing protections for trans healthcare and abortion providers and, and patients, making sure that that it's not illegal for people to come here. And that not only just that, which is also very exciting, but also just that we're protecting the rights of people to get the healthcare they need. And and then we repealed almost almost all of Minnesota's unconstitutional old abortion ban laws and all the barriers to abortion. And then there's just were so many other issues. We passed a, a very strong paid family medical leave policy. We banned conversion therapy, which took many years, as well as many of these other issues took many years. And then we codified the right to abortion. And then I think we could all just think about like some of the other issues that were so exciting that at Gender Justice, we got to watch just and be in awe of the people and the organizations and the movement supporting it, like expanding voting rights, ensuring that people who are no longer incarcerated um, can vote and um, expanding voting rights to include 16 year olds being able to register to vote, which I think is really exciting. And it's really it's so cool to think about people being able to do that early, um, having automatic voter registration. Like we already have the highest voter turnout in the country, and I think it could just get higher now. And driver's licenses for everybody, all immigrants. There's just so much. We had some, we had some gun laws that were changed and you name it. So it was really, I think, a year of our legislature really listening to Minnesotans and doing the most work possible. But that sets us up for this year. So yeah. 2024. I was going to ask Monica, do you, because I feel like everybody feels like last year was such a huge year. So much got accomplished. Policies that had been being worked on for a decade or more in some cases finally got across the finish line. And I feel like it's on everybody's mind. Like, is that going to be the same this year? Is this year going to be as huge of kind of a, the number, the volume of bills and the number of things getting done. Do you have any insight or thoughts on what we can expect out of this session? I know that a lot of you have been engaged for a while or you're new to this, what's going on. And I will say that I think that last year, for those of us who've been in politics for a long time, was so incredibly moving and humbling and I think surprisingly just surprisingly so that we moved so much as, as in our state. And I think because some of us have been who have been involved in politics for a while would see that legislators would get elected and then instantly that the I think the most bold policies that would help the most amount of people would get curbed and get cut. There would be some kind of compromise or it would be taken off the table. And I am 
I'm in politics and I'm an I'm a I'm in it for the long haul and I'm not cynical and I really believe in the power of people making a difference in Minnesota. So I'm not to say I, I don't I don't mean to say that let me down about it, but I will say that was really surprising. And I think that with again with Minnesotans supporting our leaders at the Capitol, we can do more this year, and we can really be. Um, really carrying out a story of a Minnesota that values all people and is working to make sure that people can do not only just live in Minnesota, but thrive. And so I think we can do it. It is a short session. So session starts on Monday. It's done by the third week of May. So we all have to work together to make sure that we're getting as many, getting as many bills passed as possible. And it's a it's the policy year, so not the year where they're doling out money. So it tends to be a little lower volume in general. And so we may not see as many bills move, but we will still see uh, some good action, we think. So we're going to jump into what is on our agenda and that we're looking forward to uh, making happen. So let's keep moving forward here. Our goals for the session uh, broadly are to fortify protections for gender and reproductive freedom remove the roadblocks to affordable and accessible care, and promote healthy families and advance reproductive justice. And so we're going to talk a little bit about what is under each of those buckets. We're talking about the policies at the Capitol. But I, I like to always think about also, for one, how these bills pass, and then also what else our goals are. And I would say these are gender justice goals, but I feel like these are goals of lots of organizations and people who want to again, change Minnesota for the better. So we want to make sure that we have champions that are elected officials that have the support they need, that are truly, that have that people are, who are, are working with them to advance policy. They're working on abortion and reproductive freedom and LGBTQ equity and economic and racial justice. So we, so at Gender Justice, we want to make sure that we are working with candidates that we're going to be supporting candidates, which you'll hear later after session, hear a lot more about, and that while we're doing that, we know that there's still work to do in Minnesota to really get Minnesotans who some are wrestling or even opposing bodily autonomy. They feel like for whatever reason, they're opposing or even I'm more interested in the people who are a little conflicted around abortion and reproductive freedom and trans and LGBTQ equity. And that we want to make sure that we're educating people, that we're having deep conversations, and that we're really encouraging Minnesotans to become more supportive, more supportive of abortion, be vocally supportive of abortion, be vocally and active and supportive of trans equity. And then we have work to do in our schools. There's organizations that are opposed to LGBTQ equity, they're opposed to abortion, and they're working hard. And for the youth in our schools, there are groups who are working to make the schools a place that is silent and that not only silent, but hostile to LGBTQ youth. And so we have to do work across the state to make sure our schools are a place where all youth can learn and make friends and thrive and particularly LGBTQ youth. And we have to fight still to against the misinformation and the damage that crisis pregnancy centers do across our state. And that work also includes increasing access to abortion, which we're going to talk about. And then we just need a really badass, strong vocal network 
of justice-loving humans working for gender equity. And they're connected and they're not, they don't feel alone, but they actually know who to join with and that that will work to make Minnesota and our elections and our policies and our communities better. All right. So digging in to what are the bills we're going to be working on this session. The first one, first one of our legislative priorities is to fortify protections for gender and reproductive freedom and passed finally at long last after many, many, many years of work and really over 100 years since it was originally introduced at the federal level, an Equal Rights Amendment. So gender justice is very excited and proud to be supporting passage of a Minnesota Equal Rights Amendment. This would be an addition to our state constitution. And we're going to go over what the language would look like. But this has been a decades-long effort led by, in particular, the group ERA Minnesota. They have an event coming up on next Monday on the 12th, the first day of session that we're really excited to be co-sponsoring and to be a part of. And we encourage everyone to turn out for that. But folks have been working for a long time to get this done. And 2024 is the year when it is going to pass the legislature. The Senate passed it last year and it got stalled in the House. And this year we have a lot of confidence that it's going to make its way through and be passed to go on the ballot and go before voters to be adopted into the Minnesota Constitution. So join us on February 12th, 10 a.m. at the Capitol. Loudly and proudly declare that you are an equality voter and you're going to be a part of the work to uh, get this passed through the voters as well. So I think that'll be really important and helpful for our legislators to hear that. If they do the work of passing it through the legislature, we're all going to do the work of making sure voters approve it on the ballot. So what is the Equal Rights Amendment? We're going to share that language. So this last fall, Gender Justice uh, convened a legal working group of attorneys from various different legal backgrounds and professions to dig into what would be what would help Minnesota have the strongest equal rights amendment in the country, in any state. And how do we make sure that it is responsive to the attacks on civil and human rights that we're seeing? federally and in states across the country? How do we get really specific about what we mean when we say we want equality uh, in our state constitution? And so this is the language that was workshopped by that legal working group. It covers not only sex, which was the original purpose of the Equal Rights Amendment, but also race, color, national origin, ancestry, and disability. And then in sex, we break sex down. There's a lot of legal precedent about what uh, protections based on sex mean, but they go through iterations of being interpreted. And it felt like this was a really important time to be specific. So we specifically say that sex includes pregnancy outcomes and reproductive freedom, gender identity or gender expression, and sexual orientation. We also establish the highest level of constitutional protections for these equal rights. We define what is reproductive freedom. So for the purposes of this amendment, we say reproductive freedom means making and effectuating decisions about all matters relating to one's own pregnancy or decision whether to become pregnant, and then name a non-exhaustive list of various forms of reproductive health care, and also clearly state that, that when we talk about gender identity and gender expression, 
that includes the ability to make and effectuate decisions around gender affirming care. These protections apply to the state as a whole and any agency or political subdivision of the state. So an amendment, constitutional amendment really applies to the state's ability to make laws and says you can make laws as long as they don't impinge on these equal rights. Um, we also included a section just making sure that passage of this amendment doesn't have the effect of narrowing any pre-existing protections that have already been established by the Minnesota Supreme Court. And also in recognition that the federal Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court has moved to weaken the ability for there to be affirmative action or proactive programs to address the long history of discrimination. We're putting into our constitution that we don't see a conflict between protecting people's rights and also proactively working to address the historic harms of long-standing oppression. So that is also included here. I saw someone asked about that this is recommended equal rights language. And just to clarify, this is a language that gender justice and the legal working group, a number of organizations and individuals participated in have put forward to the authors of the ERA and to legislative leadership. From what we understand, they like the language. And this is what we understand will be moving forward in session. But of course, we'll see exactly what it looks like when it actually does. But our understanding is that this language is what is moving forward. Then what does that mean? It means when it passes through session this year, hopefully early in session is the dream, then voters will see it on the ballot and it'll be on the ballot with the title. Our recommendation is that it, they call it the Minnesota Equal Rights Amendment and that the question to voters, they won't see that big, long list of texts that uh, we just talked through, but they'll see this question. Shall the Minnesota Constitution be amended to say that all persons shall be guaranteed equal rights under the laws of the state and that the state shall not discriminate against any person on account of race, color, national origin, ancestry, disability, or sex, including pregnancy, pregnancy outcomes, reproductive freedom, gender identity, gender expression, and sexual orientation. So I know it's like a big mouthful, but it's trying to cover a lot of ground in as few words as possible. Now we're really excited to put that question to the voters and we need to have 50 plus one percent of affirmative votes. So voters who fill out a ballot but skip the question, that actually counts as a no vote. So we need a, a majority of people voting yes. And Monica, anything you would like to just say about your experience working on a constitutional amendment from 12 years ago that you're bringing into this conversation? It's so relevant. Um, well, I'll, I mean, maybe just a couple of things we could say about it. So it would be one of the strongest ERAs in the country in the legal protections that we would have and that Minnesotans would be able to enjoy. And and then I think what I also think was is going to be great once we are once it passes through the legislature, we will be able to really start having conversations with Minnesotans about what it means and for those of you who were involved in the constitutional amendment battle in 2012 it was it was a campaign that would have would have banned marriage for same-sex couples and it would have been in our state constitution and we would have joined most of the the majority of states in this country in having those constitutional amendments so you know i 
I think one of the things that I loved about that campaign is we fought so much to not have it be on the ballot. And once it was, we launched the conversation campaign with Minnesotans about what our values are in our state. We had people talk about what love means to them. What's And then for the tens of thousands of people who ended up volunteering on the campaign, we had people come. And I think that the first experience they would have is talking about who's in their heart. What are their stories? What is their experience with uh, with with loving or being LGBTQ and having LGBTQ friends and family members and coworkers and you name it. And <clears throat> what it did to the campaign is it really, I think it really made people be able to just, I think, fully realize how to talk more about what kind of Minnesota we want, about the values we have and about how I think it helped people really see the discrimination that was out there against LGBTQ people. And what was cool about it is that people would, I think people would come to their first event and say, I I really want to volunteer. I want to sign up. And they would, for one, see a bunch of other humans that they could connect with. They felt less alone. They were able to bring the people in their lives to the next event. And all we would hear over and over across the state was, I had no clue until someone put a sign up in their yard that I had people around me who felt the same way I did, who really wanted to to really take a stand and speak out for LGBTQ equity. Um, And so that's what I think we can be doing with this campaign. And I also, I think it's going to be, we're going to have some hard conversations with people, but we're also going to be able to really, I think, grab that spirit of people who really want to join together and work to get it passed. So I think more to come, lots more to come, and we'll have many more conversations. But I think it'll be, we will just, it'll, I'm hoping it'll be the biggest, most inclusive, most exciting, most loving campaign that our state has seen. Yeah. And an opportunity, right, for people to proudly talk to their neighbors and the public about their values and what the kind of Minnesota we want to be welcoming for all people. Yes. So lots to get excited about. And one of our next big priorities and goals is to remove roadblocks to affordable and accessible care. And this year, that means really focusing on health insurance and making sure that private health insurance and all the ways in which people get insurance coverage for healthcare in Minnesota include critical care. So starting off with making sure that private insurance covers abortion. Right now, it's very hit or miss. If you um, get individual coverage through Minsure, the public health exchange in Minnesota, it can be very difficult to know if you are getting a plan that will cover abortion if you need it. And a lot, for from what we understand, the majority of the plans on Minsure do not include care for abortion. And we think that in a state where our Supreme Court has weighed in and our other courts have said clearly, if you're going to provide pregnancy care at all, if you're going to provide coverage for delivery and prenatal care and miscarriage management, you can't kind of discriminate against abortion and you need to cover the full spectrum of care. So we think that should apply to private health provide health insurance providers as well. And we'll be working hard to change the law to require that. Um We are also supporting a bill to 
basically codify what is in has been determined by the courts already, which is that also gender affirming care needs to be covered by health insurers. That's both based on Minnesota state law, state civil rights protections, but also the Affordable Care Act, Section 1557, which is a non-discrimination section of the federal health care law, requires that there isn't discrimination on the basis of sex. And that includes and has been interpreted to also mean for transgender people. But we know that the experience of being trans and seeking coverage for your gender-affirming care can be a very challenging and mixed process and experience. And so we want to clarify that, in fact, this care does need to be covered by all health insurance and healthcare providers. And then lastly, there's a really exciting bill to mandate fertility services coverage that would be inclusive of all families, including LGBTQ families, and also people who are single or need assisted uh, reproductive technology to help them make a family. So those are our three top priority bills around insurance coverage that we're working on, but we're also working on a few other, a few other areas, including over-the-counter birth control, which is a, a, a new thing. They're, the FDA is working through a process right now to put birth control over-the-counter, birth control pills in particular over the counter so that you would not need a prescription, but we wanna make sure that doesn't have the effect of increasing costs for people because right now health and in, health insurance has to provide that without a copay. And so we wanna extend that to over the counter birth control, over the counter PrEP and PEP, which are HIV prevention treatments, anesthesia for IUD services. When you get an IUD place, it is not very pleasant. Anyone has had that experience, probably know. And uh, unfortunately, some insurance doesn't cover the anesthesia for that. 3D breast imaging and reconstructive surgery for breast cancer patients. Monica, anything that I missed from this beautiful list that you'd like to lift up? No, I think you did a great job. I, I will say that it's a lot of our partner organizations that are working, taking the lead on some of these issues. So like Outfront Minnesota, Rainbow Health and others who are also working on these issues. And there's a big co coalition called the Resolve Coalition working on the um, fertility treatment uh, bill. But there are a number of states that do include that. I know sometimes it can be like, really? IVF could be covered by, by insurance. But there are, I think it's something like 12 other states. Sorry, I should know the number off the top of my head. We can put it in the show notes. But it is actually something that is is the norm in a number of other states and really truly can it means the difference between whether or not people are able to make and create the families that they desire. The financial hurdles of, of fertility treatments are so significant that it is a way to really level the playing field for people to make their families. One of the other really important issues in this bucket of removing the roadblocks to affordable and accessible health care is uh, working to close financial gaps for the healthcare system and the infrastructure that is working overtime right now to absorb patients coming from out of state to get access to abortion. As people may be aware, Minnesota is a bit of an island of access in the upper Midwest. We're surrounded by states that have banned or severely limited access to abortion. 
And the uh, abortion providers in Minnesota have seen an increase in patients in demands for care since the Dobbs decision in 2022. And that is putting a lot of strain on the system. And so we're supporting efforts both to provide some direct funding to clinics to help them keep their doors open and be able to expand and, and meet pressing needs to serve patients and also to continue increasing the reimbursement rate for medical assistance, which until last year hadn't been raised in more than a decade. Last year, we did secure a 20% increase in the reimbursement rate, but it still is a cost to providers to provide abortion care. And so we're hoping to be able to continue getting an increase in that reimbursement rate this year. Our friends and partners at Our Justice, the Minnesota's largest abortion fund, have really been taking the lead in that, along with a number of the independent abortion clinics. And we're really excited to be supporting those efforts. So there are a number of bills. So I will say session hasn't started yet. And there's legislators and advocates are working to get language to the bills all set and get the bills introduced. And so just please just keep in touch with us. And we'll let you know when bills are moving and also when there's more concrete language out there. But bills we're watching are the Uniform Parentage Act. We're looking at the legislation that would ban pelvic and breast exams on unconscious patients without consent, updating health education standards to set Minnesota up to, to at some point have a strong, comprehensive sex education in our schools. And then the implementation of family, paid family and medical leave. And then I'll say just a couple other bills that that I'm hoping move and that we're interested in is that there's talk of banning book bans. So it would be similar, hopefully, to what Illinois has done, which is to head off the efforts of anti-LGBT people who are calling and saying that we, we're doing too much critical race theory in our schools or you name it, trying to really change what the access that our students in our public schools have to history, to real history and to to all kinds of things that they should just be able to explore. So book ban and and there's talk of the banning of rainbow flags and rainbow stickers and safe spaces in our classrooms. I'll just say this, the backdrop is that we're watching all over the country that there's hundreds and hundreds of anti-LGBTQ bills that are being introduced. So we're in the context of this, you've got all of the anti-abortion, anti-reproductive freedom bills that have been passed and enacted. You've got, I was doing a little, I was trying to look and see what the current number is, but it's, it's already last year, there were over 500 anti-LGBTQ bills with all the with almost 400 of those bills being targeted at trans people. And this year is looking the same. And I think in the context of like just the history of LGBTQ equity, these are more anti-bills than we've ever seen. So you can add up a bunch of years and we didn't see it. And now we're seeing it all in one year. And we're also seeing these bills pass. And I think just the undercurrent that I think to me is really disturbing is that This is a concerted effort to erase and criminalize trans people and LGBT people. And it really is just these, it's just groups and people sitting around and thinking like, I don't think we went far enough by banning healthcare for trans youth. I don't think we went far enough from from banning a bunch of books in our schools and having 
equity, talking about equity and talking about the history of racism in the United States, or you name it, we haven't gone far enough. So let's keep going. And and I feel like they're making advances. And so it's it is also about erasing people from public life, making people fearful about being out about who they are and just being able to live their daily lives. It's about actually also enshrining inequality in our laws and for the states that have passed anti-discrimination laws, trying to repeal those, which, again, the ERA in Minnesota passing that will help protect ours, which is the longest in the country that protects trans people. And, and then just basically criminalizing people for being trans. And so I think in the context of that, I think we should just keep trying to move forward and keep trying to pass legislation that protects us, but also to respond to what we're seeing in uh, states around the country and really be uh, proactive and figure out how we can be a, a really equitable state that respects everybody. So we have some important dates coming up. Do you want to run through them? These are ways for people to get involved and and just key milestones during session. So Monday, 10 a.m., see you at the Capitol in the Rotunda. We're going to rally and, and get together and shout out for the ERA. That also is the startup of session. So it's fun also to be there on that day and get to say hi to legislators and thank all of the champions we've got there for doing so much good work. February 27th, our caucuses and Caucuses are just a good time, right, for people to get together and talk with your neighbors about what's important, what's important about what what's going on with the, not our, just our elections, but with our policies. And then we've got the presidential primary on March 5th and Unrestrict Minnesota Lobby Day. So you've got Monday, see you at the Capitol, and then on March 7th, come and lobby your legislators and and come and rally again. And and be able to talk with your legislators about the bills that you support and the policies and also just to talk about how you can be improving your communities in general, which I think is always really good. And you can register for Unrestrict Lobby Day at unrestrictmn.org slash lobby day. And yeah, we're hoping to have a really good turnout there. So please, if you haven't registered already, please go to the website and do that today. Yeah, and the rallies at two in the rotunda. Um, we're starting out at the History Center. It really is just going to be a full day. We're going to have workshops on a bunch of different issues for for so for people to go to when they're not meeting with their legislators. It really is just it's just going to be a powerful day. So please join us. And then we have some committee deadlines that I think just we put them in here just to show how fast the session is going to go. So March twenty second is the first and second committee deadlines. April nineteenth is the third. What that means is all of these beautiful, powerful ideas we're talking about, they have to, if they haven't moved last year, they have to move by those dates. And then the session ends on, on May 20th, and then we'll have to celebrate, right? We'll have to get together and celebrate after. But, but that's some of the important dates that are going on. I know there's lots of other lobby days. Please go to the Capitol as much as possible. And then also you can talk with your elected officials back in district as well. They love to hear from you. Other ways to get involved other than Lobby Day is to sign up for text alerts from us. We will send you an alert when there's something that kind of needs you to be, needs people to weigh in on during session. That's at www.genderjustice.us forward slash alerts. Monica, you want to say more about what people could expect if they decide to sign up for a text alert? We're going to let you know when there's committee hearings. So we will be 
We'll let you know when there's some of the, the legislation is moving. We'll let you know other ways to get involved. We also, we have, we have for people who live in the Twin Cities, we actually are getting together and doing phone banking. Sometimes we're doing letter writing and we'll have different ways to get engaged and get together with other people at Gender Justice's office. And then just, I think one other thing too is we just started a field canvas. And so we have people out talking with Minnesotans about reproductive freedom, about the ERA, about LGBTQ equity, and in general about bodily autonomy. And so so please open the door and talk to them when they come to you. And if you have a really great conversation with the canvasser and you want to tell us about it, shoot us an email. We love to hear about the conversations people are having at doors. So don't be afraid to share back with us how it goes. Yeah, just let's keep going. Let's keep winning. We're excited to be in this work with you all and look forward to seeing you at the Capitol. And we will take some questions now. And for listeners on our podcast, the various links that we have mentioned will be in the show notes. So easily available. We got a few questions, including one question about uh, the use of the language pregnancy outcomes in the ERA language. So someone just flagged not familiar with the term pregnancy outcomes. And that comes from some other states have used that language. Most recently, New York used pregnancy outcomes in their Equal Rights Amendment language. It's going to be on the ballot in November in New York. And it's really a way to acknowledge and establish protections um, related to all the various ways that a pregnancy can end, whether that's through birth, miscarriage, or abortion. So that we adopted that terminology. And then someone asked about if the ERA will be on the November 2024 ballot. What we have heard from legislative leadership is that it is most likely going to be on the November 2026 ballot, just because. And again, this is, you know, other folks, ultimately, not us, are making that decision about timing. But we think that it makes sense to make sure that we have time to have the put together a campaign and educate and talk to voters and make sure that they understand what the amendment is about and what it would accomplish and secure secure the support and the votes necessary. And also, as Monica was talking about, some of the things that are exciting about being able to do a ballot campaign is that opportunity to build community build movement momentum. And so that longer timeline will give us the opportunity to do that. We won't know for sure until it actually passes. And so we'll all see, you know, what year does it end up being on? But whatever the year, whether it's 2024 or 2026, we're going to be working hard to make sure that it's successful when it is on the ballot. Um, One other just note about the amendment, folks asking questions about the language of the Equal Rights Amendment. There, we do have an episode, two previous episodes ago of the Gender Justice Brief, where Jess Braverman, Gender Justice's legal director, and I talk in depth about the language and why some of the choices were made the way that they were. And so highly recommend that as a resource to if you want to like nerd out on the, the legal, the legal language of the amendment itself, that's a really good resource and easy to share with other friends who might have questions about the Equal Rights Amendment. If others have questions, you're welcome to share them and we'll work on answering them. Oh, Monica, I did see someone asked about caucus resolutions. Sure. So we will put them up on our website. I think that'll probably be the easiest. But yeah, so for people who are new to going to caucuses, so they're split by party. <laughs> That's one thing. So 
I know the DFL system the best. So you can look at the DFL website and find out where your caucus is. And then they also have a form that you can use to get resolutions passed. What I like about doing that, and then we'll have language, we'll suggest language that you can use, but you can also use your own. And I don't think they have to be super complicated. But what I like about it is you're sitting in a room full of people that are really yours. It's like little, you're close. And and I know in rural Minnesota, sometimes it's a little, it's further. I know. But they are your neighbors and that you can have a conversation again about what you want to see Minnesota, what ha- what happens in Minnesota. You want to put forward and have a conversation about some of the values and the policies that you care about. So we'll have some on our website. It usually happens toward the end of the meeting. Monica, I'm also seeing someone's question. We were talking about all of the terrible bills that have been introduced and just the attacks on the LGBTQ community. Were you talking about legislation just introduced in Minnesota or nationally? I think we should expect that there could be some amendments that will be talked about at the Minnesota Capitol this year by some of the legislators who are anti-LGBTQ. But it's been really across the country. So there has been bills introduced in Minnesota. We can stop those again. Like we can stop them because we have a, a good leaders at the Capitol. But I still think, again, it's still important to talk to your legislator about how horrible they are and to really give them that support and, and tell stories and talk about how terrible it is. It really is 40, what, 48 states have had anti-LGBTQ and particularly anti-trans legislation introduced. And really, uh, a lot of them are passing again. So last year, there were, I believe, 84 anti-LGBTQ bills that passed. But we're looking at, there's already been a couple that have been passed this year. And they're getting, I feel like it really is trying to get at people being out in public and being trans and trying to make it impossible or slash criminalize it. And so there's groups like Equality Federation that you can look to find out more information about that. It's all the state organizations that are like Gender Justice and Outfront Minnesota, who we all are a part of. And so I think that's a good place to look. But it's, yeah, it's happening all over the country. Thanks for clarifying that. I saw another conversation in the chat here about the impact of hospitals and healthcare systems that are run by the Catholic Church or that are religiously affiliated and therefore actively work to create barriers to people getting access to the, you know, reproductive health care that they need. And that is a huge issue. It is one that I know advocates in various places have worked to address through policy. And it's very challenging because of protections around uh, religious freedom that and the long history of involvement of religion in healthcare provision. And so I think it's uh, on multiple fronts could have a whole other conversation on that subject. But it, it reminds me one note about the Equal Rights Amendment is that we've heard some opposition saying, oh, this is about elevating these groups' rights over the rights of religious people. And I just want to uh, get out in front of that argument right now and say that in Minnesota, religion already has the strongest protections, constitutional protections. There are extremely strong protections for religion in Minnesota. In fact, 
They're stronger than the federal constitutional protections. And so the ERA is really actually about putting the race and sex and disability and ancestry, et cetera, on the same playing field, on the same level as religion. So this is about creating parity rather than about elevating some rights over others. The amendment language is also available on the gender justice brief show notes. So if you're looking for that full language that's available there and we're going to have it uh, on our website and such, especially once we see what does get officially moved through the legislature this year. All right. I think that's all of our questions. Excellent questions. Thank you so much to everyone who joined us and who brought your questions. And I can feel the enthusiasm coming through Zoom. I know we're all excited for another really powerful and productive legislative session again this year. Monica, any parting words before we let people get on with their evening? No, just thanks so much. Thank you so much. And we'll see you at the Capitol. Yes, let's do it. On we go. Take care, everyone. Bye. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Gender Justice Brief. This show is produced by Gunter Janel and Audra Griegas. To keep up with our work in real time, be sure to check out the show notes for where to find us on the web, social media, and to sign up for text updates. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share to help us spread our message. Thanks for listening, and see you next week.